Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Pet Photographers Club. I'm Kirsty of Bits of Bernard Photography. And I'm Caitlin of Ragmuffin Pet Photography. And welcome back to season two of the Pet Photographers Club. We're starting off our second season with a bang today and have an amazing guest for you for season two, episode one of the Pet Photographers Club podcast. If you've been anywhere near the pet photography industry on social media in the last 12 months, you've probably heard about our guest today. Whether he's shooting in his studio or exploring the Scottish Highlands on an outdoor adventure session, this guy is the master at creating playful, quirky, personality-filled pet portraiture. It's the man behind Muttley Snaps, Ewan Chen. Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club, Ewan. Hi, guys. (laughs) Man, a few words. So from the outsider's perspective, perspective it does look like um your business is just sort of overnight just sort of taken off um in a very short period but I'm sure that's not the case so we'd love to hear your side of the story and um how Muttley Snaps was born and and what the journey's been like to get to where you are today I guess yeah I probably started about three years ago mm-hmm. um just in just in location shoots but it didn't go anywhere I think partly because of the Scottish weather Mm-hmm. It was really hard to get people mm-hmm. to book just because one day it's sunny, next day it's raining. <laughs> it's just really hard to get people to commit to that. So when I opened the studio a year ago, it just it really exploded. It really took off and it's been really good since then. Yeah, it was a bit of a struggle to begin with. I feel your pain with inconsistent weather. I'm in Melbourne in Australia and I'm sure it's not nearly as intense as Scottish differentiation, but we definitely have storms one day and then breaks on the next day and I have every single client um, emailing me, not now because now I email them in advance, but worrying about, well, what are we going to do when it inevitably rains? So it would be lovely to have a studio as a backup. Do you have people who do the your outdoor ones switch to studio if it's raining or you just end up postponing those sorts of um, shoots? Typically just rescheduling. Um, if people want outdoor, they, they typically want outdoor, so we just reschedule. <laughs> um, I think a lot of time you just need to work with it. You can't really look for great weather. It's just you need to get out there and just do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you can't have these beautiful sunsets. It's just not going to happen, so it's just... If it's overcast and a bit mucky, it's just you need to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have pretty much 50-50 be- split between studio and non-location? Uh, no, it's mainly studio now. Mm-hmm. Um, probably 80-20 or less than that, probably maybe even 90-10 studio shoots. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I do love your on-location stuff, though. It's pretty um, – who am I thinking of? Was it the Glencoe Highlands that you were sharing recently? And it's just like, dear – God, that's an awesome background to have. Yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. And it's only an hour and a half drive. It's not very far. Oh, is that all? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite dedication. But I would be hard pushed to drive an hour and a half for a location. I'm pretty impressed that you're doing that. Although that being said, I've just said how amazing the location is. So right off the bat, the question that we love to hear the answers to most is where are you getting most of your clients? It's typically referrals. And mm-hmm. my website, I don't do much. I don't go out hunting for clients. I've been really lucky that they've came to me. 
So I'm doing really well just from referrals and the website and Facebook. Are there many other pet photographers in your area? I mean, your website is amazing, so I can understand why people would be um, tempted to go with you anyway. There's only a couple of established ones. There's more Mm -hmm. starting to come up now, but there's maybe only a couple that are really established. So it's there's not too much competition at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think certainly the studio ones, I think I've got that market pretty cornered. Yeah, your work is absolutely beautiful. Um, did you have a studio background before you got into pet photography? Uh, no, I, I just jumped head first in. Yep. I learned as I went. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> That's really impressive. So how did you get into photographing in general? Like did you were you photographing other people or you pet photography is your first? Um, pet photography. I've actually got a mathematics degree. So this this wasn't supposed to be my life. Right. So this is a completely different and I'm so glad that it is my life now. Yeah. But um, I started photographing dogs at rescue. Then I just take off from there. So how did you get into getting into the rescue photography? Um, we helped out at a boxer rescue for years and mm-hmm. I'd take pictures of the dogs needing homes and everybody was always, you should do this professionally, should charge for this. Yeah. But it's, it was at that stage when the foes were still just not quite sharp enough and just that beginning stage when it, it wasn't good enough and I wasn't confident enough. So it probably took about five years after that to actually jump in and do it. Yeah, and did you go full-time immediately or was it more of a slow? My wife has a muscular dystrophy, so I look mm-hmm. after my wife. Um, she she needs help doing day-to-day things, so I can't work a nine-to-five job because I need to be here to look after her. So it's something to do around looking after Claire. That's the best part about self-employment, isn't it, that um, especially for a creative, that you can make it work for you and your, your lifestyle. Yeah, so it means I can go have a job that actually – pays me a good income and it's something I love and I could be here for Claire when mm-hmm. she needs me. So it's, it's perfect. That's awesome. Claire's a website designer, right? I full on stalked your website. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> pretending like I don't know your whole story. Meanwhile, I'm like one of your biggest fans. So <laughs> did she help out a lot with your website design? Yeah, she's done all. Um, she's done all the branding and yeah. stuff and she's kind of pushed me. I'm, I'm quite, I'm a warrior. I worry mm-hmm. about everything. So Claire's had to like push me along That's all the way. That's good. At least you've got her. I feel you on the worry front. I'm with you there. Um, your branding is absolutely gorgeous. I love seeing little sneak peeks that you share with everyone, um, particularly in the hair of the dog um, group and just on your social media in general about, you know, behind the scenes at your studio. Did you have a clear brand identity right from the start or is that something you've also developed over the years? I think it's developed uh, more so of the studio, I think. With the outdoors, I was still trying to find what I wanted to do with the location stuff, mm-hmm. but the studio kind of fell together quite quickly. You definitely have a really strong style, especially in your studio work, but I think it you've managed to sort of bridge that gap between um, your on-location work and your studio work, and it still looks like it's photographed by the same person. I see a lot of the times where it looks like it's two completely different photographers because obviously it's really difficult to make those two very different locations look the same. But, yeah, I'm really impressed with what you do there. Speaking of the studio, you opened that, did you say a year ago, Ewan? Yeah, um, I moved studio. I had a smaller studio for about four or five months beforehand. Then I got an opportunity to move to the larger studio, which I jumped on, and it's just really taken off from there. 
are you able to walk us through the process involved in like setting that up and also the impact that having a shop front has had? Because that sounds like it might have been at the same time. Like what came first, the impact, uh, sorry, the uh, the studio or you taking off? Because you said that was a year ago as well. I'd started to make a wee bit of um, progress with the, the previous studio. Mm-hmm. Then when I moved to the bigger one, I ran an offer. It was um, half price shooting, half price fine art prints. Mm-hmm. For the first, the boots within the first week, then the shoots happened the next month. Yeah. So I got loads of people taking that up. I probably done, I was doing about five shoots a week for the month after that from the offer. Wow. Oh, wow. It was more than I'd ever want to do, but mm-hmm. it gave me lots of experience, lots of photos to share. It gave me a chance to do IPS, which I was absolutely dreading. It's something mm-hmm. I didn't want to do. Um, yeah, person sales. But, yeah, I absolutely love it now. It's it's really nice. It's it's part of the fun. Um, so it gave me lots of experience. So running the offer to start with just got me so many people in the door. And as much as it was half-priced prints, a lot of people bought wall art. There was mm-hmm. nobody that came in and came away with just a 10 by 8. Everybody bought wall art or they bought a collection of prints. So mm-hmm. it was really good. It was a really good experience. So sorry, that helped just... Sorry. Can I just clarify? Um, so the shoot itself, the fee was reduced to half price, and then the ten by eight prints were half price. Then the wall art was normal price. Yes. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So only eight by ten. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Only eight by tens, and that was just the opening week special, was it? Yeah. So if they booked in that the opening week, then the the shoots happened the, the next month. Mm-hmm. So I got everybody done in August. Yep. And how did you um, advertise that? Uh, just Facebook. Um, I don't a sponsored ad. Um, I think a lot of people were tagging people with dogs and stuff, so it really quite it took off because it was a good deal. It was it was quite cheap the offer. Um, I've put the prices up since then, but it wasn't a free model call, so I was still making money and I was still going through the process of IPS, and it was. I think it was a good thing to do for the studio. Mm-hmm. And how did they go about actually taking up that offer? Like, did they have to come into the studio? Do you have an online booking system? Or yeah, it was an online booking system we set up. Yeah. Again, having Claire, we can set up all that on the website. It's really easy. Yeah, and you still use that same system today? Um, no, I don't. Um, I typically just do it all through email. So people email in, then we set the dates through email. You don't have um, like an online calendar system that you're using. Uh, I, I prefer to speak to people just yeah. to make sure I manage everybody's expectations so that they don't think they're going to get a shoot with all the digital images. I like to make sure that they know what's yeah. actually included. Yeah, definitely. So do you do that by email or over the phone? Uh, email. I, I don't do the phone. I hate the phone. We need that feeling. Don't worry. I'm a huge phone phobic, so it's all good there. I do everything over email. This is a good um, point, actually, just for the listener who also might hate the phone because, Caitlin, you ran your business for how many years without using the phone ever? I mean, I'm in my eighth year now. I did install <laughs> I installed the phone this year because I keep having in my head the idea that I should be using it. But um, it's been on Do Not Disturb for like a month and a half because, <laughs> like, I just okay. go through times where I'm like, I can't deal with that at the moment um so no I feel you you and I think a lot of our clients are more than happy to be discussing things over the phone and frankly I guess if there are any inquiries that we're missing because 
we're not talking over the phone, then they're not, for me personally, they're not going to be happy with the entire booking process because that's all sort of online for me. Um, anyway, that's just how my head works. So these days, Ewan, um, I'm guessing you don't do five shoots a week. How many clients do you usually see? Um, it's between two and three at the moment, mm-hmm. which is about perfect. Probably two's happier than three. But, mm-hmm. um, but again, that's all generated just purely from referrals on the website. And are you doing anything to encourage those referrals or that's just an organic word of mouth situation? It's just really organic. I think that's people nice. are really enjoy, enjoying the experience. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially the studio, I think people come in thinking it's going to be really stressful. Yeah. And it's not, it's fun. And even if their dog doesn't behave and it's just a bit of a nightmare, <laughs> I just I laugh about it. Yeah. I make sure it's fun. Even from dying on the inside, I make sure that <laughs> the people think it's great. And I love their dog and I do. I always love the dogs. Mm-hmm. And I think people really relate to that. That it's just fun that their dog makes me laugh and smile. And I think that's one of these things that people tell other people and it, it kind of brings them. So then are you doing any sort of pre-session consultation with them or that's all via email and then the first time you guys are meeting is when they come into the studio? It's typically via email. Um some people do want to come into the studio and that's fine. They come in, we'll have a chat, but it's just really informal. And then they come back into the studio for their in-person sales? Yeah, they do. Um, probably mm-hmm. about three weeks later. I'm not very good at staying on top of Eden, so it's probably <laughs> longer than I'd like it to be, but typically yeah. about three weeks. And are you using projection sales there or what? could you walk us through your process there? Um, I just set up on the, the iMac and I just use the, <laughs> the default image viewer on iMac and just play the slideshow then after the slideshow they get to just scroll through the pictures and we just put them out into folders for the to narrow the selection down (laughs) i love this so much it's so simple (laughs) that's genius everyone's got all these complicated programs and you're like yeah no dude i'll just use my finder don't worry about it that's fantastic like i i use lightroom still because i'm like from 2011 or something but um (laughs) uh that's even more simple and I'm, I'm always um encouraging like look you know all these great tools are amazing but don't forget sometimes simple works too um so that's really great to hear it's working for you because what are you um keeping it simple so what are you mostly selling wall art Ewan yeah and portfolio boxes uh, folio boxes mm-hmm. so um I've got these really nice folio boxes um they come in 10 by 10 or 12 by 16 like they're huge um, they come on foam-mounted prints, and people see a lot of value in them. Like, the markup on them is huge compared to what I could do on wall art. So that's a happy sale for me. What's your selling point on those? Like, what sort of um, things are you doing so that clients decide that that's the best value? I'm not a salesperson. I'll never be a salesperson. Um, I basically just set them up on the table and let the clients mm-hmm. look at them. Um, I'm not pushing anything. I'm, I couldn't go into a sales session thinking... I'm going to sell this or I'm going to push this. It's quite organic. Mm-hmm. I, I just, um, after they see the pictures, I, I show them the box and I show them you can get 10 prints in it. And it tends to sell yeah. itself. I mean, it's, it's really beautiful. And yeah, it's, it just, so I'm not very good at the whole business tips. I just, it's all just quite organic. With me, it's just. Just really good work. This is why I offer <laughs> Yeah, if you if you yeah. if you want it, you can have it. If you don't, I'm not going to push something on you. 
Mm-hmm. I think how many photos do you show per session? Typically between thirty and fifty, maybe even sixty, depending if there's two dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes that works well for selling the folio boxes because they can't choose. Yeah. So this gives them the option of, of having something that's got ten prints in it. So typically, would someone get just the folio box, or would they get the folio box and wall art, or do you sell digitals? Um, I upgrade the the folio box can come with a USB as well, so I can, mm-hmm. I can upgrade the folio box to have the digitals, and people buy wall art as well. Um, I've been quite surprised at the amount of people that buy. 40 by 30 prints. I've always thought people would just buy yeah. sort of small prints. So it's been really nice to see people wanting huge prints for their room. So mm-hmm. that's nice. So you must have um, all of these products on display um, in the studio anyway. So when they come in for their shoot, they would also see them at that point too. Is that correct? Yeah, they see everything in the studio. There's samples of everything I do. And do you talk them through any of those options while you're shooting? Um, or? Sometimes. It, it depends on the client really. Um some of them have clear ideas what they want and other ones don't. So we have a wee chat about what they'd like to have. We kind of just leave it from there. Because mm, I think that would be a benefit that they, um, you know, when they come in for the ordering appointments, they're not actually seeing the products for the very first time. They're seeing their images for the first time, but they've already probably been considering what products suit them because they've already seen them, whereas somebody doing on location there, you know, you probably have to let them know what products are available a bit more before they come in for the sales session. So do you find a difference in orders between people who have a studio session and people who have a um, on-location session? Um, I've never actually thought about that. Um, I've had really good sales with the location shoots. Um, I don't think it's making too much of a difference if the people are seeing it for mm-hmm. the first time. I think everything in the studio is really high quality. It's all mm-hmm. from really good labs. Yeah. I think people can see straight away that it's not something they could buy online themselves. Mm-hmm. So in metal prints, most people have never seen a metal print before. So Yeah, so what are, what are you offering for wall art? Metal then and frames? Yeah, or? I've got metals, frame canvases. They're really nice. They've got like huge chunky frames. They, they're really nice. Um, I've got acrylics. We do acrylic orbs, so they're round. They're really nice. They sell well. Yeah, so it's frames... Mm-hmm. Metals, acrylics, and canvases, framed or unframed. And do you mind chatting numbers with us, Ewan? What's your average sale? Um, it's probably about seven hundred pounds at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, what can they? So, what can they get for that? A um, portfolio box. Yeah, that's typically the portfolio box, and they cost okay. me um, eighty pounds. So they're not very expensive to buy. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's, it's a great markup. And yeah, these actually come from Poland, these folio oh, really? boxes. Oh, cool. Um, so I'm a bit worried about this Brexit. I don't know how that's going to affect yeah. if to buy them. So yeah. hopefully it doesn't put the price up too much. I think there would be a really high value. I don't actually sell many folio boxes. Actually, I haven't sold them in ages. I took them off my price list. Um, but I'm considering bringing them back lately because I do think they're sort of a high value option for the client, given that you can get several photos in one. And especially for the client that has that whole, I don't have wall space, I'm moving, you know, that line of um, conversation that comes up. So yeah, it's interesting to hear that that's your favorite um, product to sell. But you're not selling albums, are you, you and just the portfolio box? I do have albums. I don't tend to sell them. Um, it's not something I push, mm-hmm. so 
I probably need to push them a bit more. I think the the follow boxes would be my preferred option to that album. Yeah. Usually people buy one or the other, don't they? Yeah. And it's easiest to sell what you believe in anyway. So if you personally love the folio boxes, then that's just going to come naturally to you. So I don't actually sell digitals unless they buy the folio box with the mm-hmm. digitals add-on or an album with the digitals add-on. So it comes uh... as a set. So at least they've got one product that's printed really nicely. Because mm-hmm. I have nightmares about people buying cheap canvases themselves. Yeah. It's just, I literally have nightmares about that. Or even worse, if they don't print anything at all and then all of a sudden you've sold them the world's most expensive paperweight. And like, I do always um, worry about my clients who end up just purchasing the USB and I'm going, please, please print them and also please print them where I'm telling you to print them and you know, came out <laughs> or something. So I totally understand what you're saying there. Yeah, we had a family shoot. Like me and my wife had a shoot and the dogs um, years ago for the intention of getting prints for the wall. But we were given a, a CD and it's yeah. still sitting on the desk. There's not a single print made from it. Oh, so, do you even have a CD drive anymore? Um, I think there's maybe still one in the house. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, something, it's something we never got around to doing. So mm-hmm. that was always in my mind, setting, setting up Motley Snaps, that people were going to have nice prints. So, sorry, Ewan, you did mention that the only way your clients can access the digitals is if they buy a portfolio box or an album. So when they're getting those digitals, is it only the images that are in the portfolio box or the album or is it their entire 30 or 60? They get the complete collection. Okay, okay. And by doing that, that's not jeopardizing your wall print sales either by Um, the sounds. I think if they were going to buy wall print, wall art, they'd they'd buy it anyway. I don't think um, it makes a difference in terms of that. So you're not limiting the size of the files that are on the USB? You're not telling them like it's only printable to A4 size or anything like that? Uh, no, it's the it's the full size digitals. Do you have many people that like they're asking for the USB in the beginning, and then you once you explain they have to get the portfolio box or the album first, they're really just buying the portfolio box so they can get the USB, or you've kind of set the um, mindset from the very beginning that they're coming to you to get a finished product. I think um, most of the people that that inquire want in digitals, just purely digitals. I think they want them really cheap. Okay. So the, mm-hmm. the shoots don't tend to happen mm-hmm. anyway. So um, I tend to lose them from the get-go. Yep. Um, so the people that are buying digitals, they're buying as a bit of an add-on to so they can have all the images. Mm-hmm. So I typically don't have people that have came specifically for digital files. They tend to fall away at the beginning. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I think um, you still get a lot of people that are doing shoots for maybe 80 pound and they're given all the digital images. So I think a lot of people have still have that in their mind, which is fine. They can have that if they want, but also they need to be somewhere else. Yeah. 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 So can we just get back to the studio for a minute? You went, um, so you had a little studio for a few months and then you outgrew it. Is that why you moved? Um, no, um, my friends were using my current studio as a, a gift shop for their, um, charity. And it was too much for them, the space. Um, they couldn't get the volunteers to run the shop. So they okay. wanted to leave. And I got offered the space for a really good rate. So Great. I jumped on it. And it literally had doggy wallpaper already. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> I had to paint one wall, like a tiny wall to match the rest of the walls. But other than that, it was like perfect. Just I moved straight in. Wow. 
So what were the steps involved in um, either one of the studios, I suppose? Like for somebody, like for me, I don't have a studio space at all. Um, it's just a, a space I sell from, but I could never shoot there. So what sort of things, I think a lot of people probably dream about having a studio, but they're not quite sure how they would go about setting one up. Um, what sort of things did you have to consider in, in a, starting the studio? Um, so the studio was in at first, um, it was actually a bigger art space. So there was um, various private studios in it and they had a gallery and they do art classes. Cool. So it was a really kind of creative space and it was cheap. I'd never done studio work before. I just bought a set of lights and set them up and just <laughs> put my dogs in the studio and just started playing around. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you need less space than you think you do. Yeah. So how big was that space? It took, it was probably about 1.8 metres wide and wow. maybe four or five metres long. Mm-hmm. It was it was a tiny mm-hmm. box. It was really small. I set up a bar that went across the room that I could put seamless paper on. Yeah. And that was essentially it. Just got a couple of lights, a um, couple of modifiers and just ran with it. I love that. I love how everything is um, done as simple as possible and so beautifully still at the same time. That's great. Yeah, I don't plan any, like, especially with the shoots, I don't plan the shoots. Obviously dogs are dogs. They're going to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. that tends to be how I do most of the business. Is I don't plan things. I just kind of run with things and hopefully it turns out good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like it's turning out pretty awesome. I mean, I think one of the big things with the studio was just getting people back to see the images. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That before, like, I was doing online galleries and I never yeah. sold anything beyond the shoot. I was just wondering, so with your session fee, are you including anything with that, that people weren't then buying something separately? I offer them um, five social media-sized images with the shoot. Okay. With um, a watermark on them. A lot of times people want digitals purely to put on Facebook. Yeah. So it's not always about having digitals that they can print from. It's digitals they can share with their friends. So I, th- I think that entices people as well. People like that. And that must be helping your referrals as well because then they've got something to share straight away. Is that right? Yeah, everybody. I think everybody posts them, everybody shares them. Even like I, I tend to put everybody on Facebook maybe the, the day after the shoot. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll put one picture up on Facebook before they even see the images and I think that helps as well. A lot of time the, the image that I put on Facebook the day after the shoot is the one they'll buy for the wall. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Mm. What's the shoot fee that includes the files? Um, it's £75 for the studio session, and that's with the social media files. So they're they're sized quite small, and they've got like a watermark on them. Yeah. And the location ones are £100. Do you have people, I mean, I'm presuming not because you've continued with this business model, but I feel like a lot of people would be worried out there if they were offering something like that, that they would be having clients who turned around and were like, no, great, I'm fine with my five digits. No, I've had, I haven't had anybody that hasn't bought something. Everybody's always bought something. I do have the occasional sale that's it's maybe just um, a smaller print they want, and that's fine. I'm, I'm quite mm-hmm. happy if once in a while doing that. Yeah, yeah. that happens with everyone. So, um, All right, so diving into Ewan's Toolbox for Success, I know you're, you're pretty low-key on your apps and tools and everything, but do you have something that you would recommend for photographers? Um, I've got a few book rec- recommendations. Mm-hmm. So the, the Introvert Pet Photographer's Guide by Holly from Brindleberry. Yeah. That was um, really important for me. That was somebody saying, look, you don't need to be on the phone. You don't need to follow this 
IPS business model that's pushed by everybody, the one where you have to have phone consultations, you need to meet everybody. Mm. It was just nice having somebody say, you can work the business to suit you. The way So that was really nice. I think that was really important for me. Another thing was um, Scruffy Dog Photography. She's got a, a section on her website for photographers. I came across it when I was first setting up. So I was just about to do the website and she says in it, most of all, be original. And she talks about stepping away from all the blogs and all the other photographers' images so you're not copying everybody. And same with the websites and text and pricing. Mm-hmm. Everybody's always looking at everybody else and they end up copying whether they mean to or not. That was really important to me. So as soon as I read that, I stopped looking at other people's websites when I was designing my own website and pricing. It was just, mm-hmm. I was going to do it for myself. And same with the images, be original. I don't think it necessarily means do something that nobody's ever seen before. I think it's try not to always be copying everybody else. Try and just be yourself because it's really easy to see dog breaths images and think these are stunning and the technical side of that as well I think people get drawn to that they like to try and experiment with the technical side and copy that so I think just trying to step away from it all and just come up with something that's your own yeah it feels like that's a running theme throughout your business um, and the way that you've built it up everything from creating something that suits your lifestyle creating something that yeah, suits your personality you know the the sort of different approach that you have to the way that you shoot and the way that you're selling all of it seems like you've sort of built monthly snaps to suit you which is at the end of the day the whole point of us creating our own businesses and being solopreneurs because otherwise you know push comes to shove it might be a hell of a lot easier to just have a a day job where we didn't have to you know manage everything but the joy of having your own business is that you can create something that actually suits you so it's really awesome seeing that you've you've built that for yourself yeah and all my images are it's what i'd like for my dogs um there's lots of amazing photographers that do really cool stuff that i admire but i, I wouldn't pick them to do my own dogs yeah there's um not because i don't think the works look good enough it's just it's not what i'd want for my dogs so I do what I'd like for my dogs Mm -hmm. and it seems to appeal to people. And it sounds like you also do what you'd like as a client as well in terms of the whole back end of it and everything. So that's cool. I think Scotland's maybe a bit different for um, IPS. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know what Australia is like, but when you read all the American things, it's it's a big sales pitch. (laughs) And I just, I don't think people would tolerate that here. I don't know how it, it actually is in America, but I do know what you mean about it. Sometimes coming in education sort of stuff, it sometimes comes across as a bit salesy and that's the sort of thing that I'm always um, wary to remind photographers who are scared to get into in-person sales that it's all just about, you know, finishing the service and the experience for your client. It's nice. They cry. You get to look through the photos together. At the end of the day, it's, you've got to do what lets you sleep well at night and I I personally wouldn't be comfortable having some sort of slimy sales tactic. Um, So, yeah, I do relate to what you're saying there, that you can sort of have it be a little bit more relaxed and more about the client. And if you can work your products and your pricing and everything to create something that gets you big sales, then that's great. But I think the refreshing thing, uh, Ewan, is perhaps – um, you've kind of been able to step away from the photography 
circle, if that makes sense. Like, you know, you're immersed in it and everything, but rather than just trying to do what everyone else is doing, you're really paying attention to how you would want to feel as a, um, as a client. And I think sometimes it's easy to hear what other photographers are doing and go, yep, okay, that's what I have to do. But we forget to put that back into the real world. And it's really refreshing to hear that, that you're really always considering the real world. Is there something you can recommend to other photographers to do to maybe be inspired by somebody that isn't another photographer? One of the other books I was going to recommend is um, James Watt, Business for Punks. It's the guy that done um, Brewdog. I don't know if you have Brewdog in Australia. So it's, um, it's two Scottish guys. They um, came up with this craft um, beer company, and it's, it's massive now. It's um, I think they're turning over sixty million a year or something. So they've, and it's basically they've done it their own way. So his book's all about like just breaking the rules. Um, on the back of the book, the book it's got. Don't waste your time on bullshit business plans. Forget sales. Ignore advice. Put everything on the line for what you believe in. I like that. It's just a philosophy of being true to yourself. But one of the things the book kind of underpins is being on top of your finances, understanding your finances, making sure you're, you've actually got um, money coming in and it's not just way blow up the next month. Um, but other than that, it's just all about doing things your own way and forget the rules. Um so he's really against things like networking. Like, I don't know if you've got networking meetings in Australia. We do. I don't go to those. <laughs> but um, it's quite stuffy here. So they tend to be right. super early in the morning here. And it's just people handing out their business cards. And it's the same here. It's just, it's probably not what a modern business needs. Um, mm-hmm. So it's things like that. It's just the subtitle for the books, Break All the Rules, The Brew Dog Way. Yeah, so they've got... Um, Pubs, uh, brew dog, um, so they, they let the dogs in and they've got loads of craft beers they sell all over the world. They export loads of them, but they've just, they've done it their own way. They've generated the money themselves to expand the business and they've, they've run it the way they want to. Mm, great. So it's really cool. It's, it's, it's quite inspiring. So uh, you and have you, co- have you considered uh, trying to collaborate with these guys? Oh, I'm not much of a collaborator. <laughs> Because that's all I hear straight away. I'm like, oh, my God, that would be a fantastic relationship. <laughs> I've actually done a pop-up day at one of the Brewdogs. You have? That was fun, yeah. And how did that go? It was good. It was one of the the vets. They were um, organising a day at the at one of the pubs, so it was cool. We had um, maybe 50 dogs in four hours to photograph. Wow. So it was cool. Jeez. And you just take your studio set up or what happens in that sort of environment? Yeah, I just took the studio set up and dragged the stage along and the seamless paper and the mm-hmm. lights and just ran with it again. Mm-hmm. So you were able to create a very similar image to in studio, or basically the same as in studio, right? Yeah, um, pretty much exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's some dogs that they struggle being with all these other dogs around, yeah. so it's it's maybe not some dogs it doesn't work quite as well for, but typically it's, it's more or less what you get in the studio mm-hmm. on a smaller scale. So you're doing that, um, like each person, each dog that you photograph, the owner is paying you or it's... Uh... Um, the, vet were, the vets were paying me, so the vets paid me a flat fee for this. Great. So the vets uh... organised it at the BrewDog event and they paid me a flat fee to come along. Yep, and then the, um, the dog owners, they just got a free download or they got a print or what was the deal? Yeah, they got um, a free download um, and they paid a donation to um, a charity. It was fun. It was just manic. It was 
really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> and did you, were you able to access the details of any of those people that you photographed to then like let them know what you do normally or? Um, so the vets collected everybody's email address mm-hmm. and they passed on information for me. So um, it all went through the vets and they, they passed on information about prints and the studio and stuff for me. Mm-hmm. And did you ever get any um, bookings out of that? Yeah, I had um, maybe three or four. Yeah. So the it's maybe an hour and a half's drive away, the place I'd done, okay. done it. So they weren't too local, but had three or four people come through Great. to do shoots. So did you have yeah. a special offer for them or it was just they just loved what no, you did? No, just them normal shoots. Fantastic. And then do you have, like, um, any tools that you would recommend? Um, I think a large monitor. Um, people tend to edit on laptops and stuff, and I think having at least a 27-inch monitor makes you a better photographer. It, it lets you see the images big, and sometimes if you're missing focus, it really drives that home. Um, so I think everybody should have a large monitor to edit on. Um, I think it'll make you a better photographer especially if you're selling prints. Are you editing in the studio or at home? I edit at home. Um, I have an iMac in the mm-hmm. studio and a PC right. at home and I cannot edit on the iMac. It just it doesn't oh, work really? for me. I have an issue with Apple. Yeah, but, fair enough. Yeah, it's probably just me. Um, <laughs> it seems to go really slow and it doesn't work too well for what I do. You know, you have to learn what works for you. Like I think my eyes adapted to knowing like, okay, this print's going to print this way because I'm working on this monitor or whatever and I'm not too fussy about that um, as long as the print comes back great, which does, then I'm fine. But then there's other things that I'm probably super fussy about that you're not. And like we were saying before, as long as you're doing what works for your business, then it's all good. So I think that's a good tip though, especially for you because you're printing quite large. Like you're doing a lot of 30 by 40s and are you doing even bigger than that? Um, I haven't yet. The lab does up to 80 by 50, so if somebody wants to go bigger, we can, but I haven't yet. I think a lot of people see images on phones nowadays, so they don't quite see when things aren't quite in focus. And if you get people back back into the studio to see things, I think they'd pick it up if it wasn't super sharp. Everybody always, all the clients comment how sharp everything is and how much detail there is in the images. At first, I used to get quite um, offended that they talk about how sharp it was, thinking that maybe, yeah, this is obviously what I do. This is why you come here. <laughs> but obviously that's just in my head. It's along those same lines as the, um, wow, that's a really nice camera, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or what's your other job or something like that? <laughs> do you get that, Ewan, actually? I get people asking about doing other types of shoots. Um, more so f- family and friends, they tend to, you should be doing weddings and stuff to make loads of money. I mean, I've made sales yeah. that, have, that are double what a good wedding <laughs> photographer gets paid for a whole day's shoot. It's, yeah. 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 It's not for me. It would stress me so much yeah. and it's not something I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we're conscious of the time, so we will wrap up there, Ewan. Um, before we leave, we would love to know what is success to you personally? Um, doing something I love. I absolutely love what I do and that's really important to me. So know to do something I love and to be around for when my wife needs me to help her with things is just it's all I want I'm not very money orientated um obviously as a business and it should make money but it's not the goal in, in, in itself um just doing something I love it's just 
yeah, that's success to me. Mm. I really love doing this. Awesome. Brilliant. And for our listeners out there, um, where's the best place for them to find you? Um, probably Facebook and Motley Snaps. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We will put a link um, in the show notes. There was one th- other thing I wanted to say. One of the things that's really resonated with people is when I gush about how much I enjoy what I'm doing. Um, so when I get to go to Glencoe to shoot a dog, to make a post about that, telling people how much I just absolutely adore my job. I think people really gravitate towards that. So I think um, for photographers that maybe don't want to share their mm-hmm. personal life on Facebook, if they share how much they love their job and how much this means to them, I think that's a really good way of connecting with people. So I wanted to share that's that. That's great advice. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for stepping out of your comfort zone for us. It's been absolutely awesome chatting to you. I hope you can understand Um, me. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you can understand us. (laughs) Oh, no, that's easy. Um, Beautiful. Thank you so, so much. Have a good rest of your day. If the time's out, yep, that's right. You're in the morning. I'm at night. I'm going to go bed now. (laughs) Awesome. We'll chat to you soon. Thanks, guys. So that was the oh-so-lovely and oh-so-talented, very Scottish Ewan Chen chatting to us for our first episode of Season 2. Hope you missed us, guys. (laughs) We've really missed having the podcast, so we're really, really excited to be back on board for our second season. We have some amazing guests lined up for you all. As always, don't forget to use the hashtag if you want to be our featured pet photographer of the week. We'd love to hear any recommendations or requests that anyone has out there for guests that you might want to listen to. And if you haven't subscribed already, don't forget that you can do that on iTunes. We'd love it, by the way, if you would leave us a cheeky little rate and review. And Kirsty and I will be back next week with our members only episode. And then we will continue to see you for the rest of season two. Bye for now.